0: Do you feel as if reality has been altered? That something or someone has interfered with our collective present moment? Then this is the podcast for you. This is the sound of duality. This has the sound of a DMT molecule as it travels through your body, opening you to the knowledge that you seek. It's also the sound of sheep. And bliss, wandering this universe, and the concept of Sonder as you play a lead role created by these two states of being. Pull up a pew and take a seat. This is a podcast of all you touch and all you see. The guests are everything in between. Enjoy the ride, enjoy the duality of each state of being and the very thin line between each.
1: Hi, everybody. It's Drew with Pull Up A Pew Podcast. And today is just really going to be a short episode of myself. Um, I had to, uh, unfortunately, put off uh, Nick Aris' uh, episode for his book series. Um, Really wanted to be able to devote... Um, enough time to it and something came up today so we, we weren't able to. so we're gonna we're gonna do that and it's gonna be next Friday. So I'd like everybody to make note of that. Uh, I know a lot of people are looking forward to hearing it so I do apologize. Um, but I've been wanting to do just a, a, a short single episode on the country the, just really the founding of the country and kind of some of the basic philosophical principles that went into this, uh, that, that I think a lot of people aren't aware of, or have forgotten, um, if you're old enough to where, when they used to actually teach civics in school, um, and then also proper, uh, history, uh, and, you know, how different people had different influences on our founding fathers. So, um, yeah, it's just really a, a deeply personal subject. And uh, like I said, we don't really have a political agenda. Uh, it's really just philosophy. It's uh, it's not a disclaimer, you know, to keep us out of politics by playing it safe, or uh, or an honest assessment of how I feel personally. And it's not the view of Sonder Productions or Pull Up a Pew Podcast <laughs> itself. It's it's me. That's it. Okay, let's just call it what it is. So. Um, You know, we're going to have guests on from time to time and have all kinds of political views that they may share and more power to them. At least you're getting the truth from this person as they see it through their own eyes, ears and higher self. Our intro speaks of this and the duality of being a sheep and the bliss that this can bring of accepting or, you know, the uh, ignorance or DMT and its representation of being a searcher of knowledge Again, it's just a representation and not literally that you have to take or be a proponent of DMT to be a searcher of truth. And then the thin line between the two beings of ignorance and truth, because you can be ignorant, but that doesn't mean that truth doesn't exist or you can understand what your truth is, but it doesn't mean that it's a universal truth. (laughs) Okay. Hope that makes sense. So, um, not even sure if that exists at all. You know, even sheep pick up uh, knowledge. They just can't connect the lines between ideas and concepts. And I'm talking about the proverbial sheep here too, folks, not literal sheep. They, as people blindly integrate, you know, knowledge into their memory banks as it was relayed to them through a prism, you know, usually with a nefarious cloud on the other side, continually filling this sheep with the knowledge that they uh, want the sheep to hold and not the knowledge in which the sheep truly seeks. So the sheep in its bliss doesn't know the difference anyhow because it already feels as it's it, as if it were free. And we will discuss this shortly. you know I mean there's a, there's a huge difference between the two. So uh, the difference of how you attain your knowledge is, is also very key. That, that part I'm focusing on today is just the knowledge one gains through intellectual curiosity and self-taught education on subjects that most don't even know exist without this curiosity that we form in our formative years, that's when the universe puts obstacles or environmental blocks to overcome and your higher self or your daemon, let's go with uh, Anthony Peake's um, word, we can even go with Niels Nam, uh, have to either accept Because the ability to be objective and the seeker of knowledge is already there, but limited in scope. Or you must fight these natural urges to only hear one point of view, that being your parents or teachers or that pesky television. Uh, You know, this is done by self-empowerment. That's really the only way to get over those obstacles. So this ability can't be taught uh, that allows us to decipher the techniques by which Um, You know, it makes it easier to control you and sway your opinion or politics, for example. So first, we need to define the difference between the two main concepts uh, in politics. And the definition is very, very important for obvious reasons that will become apparent, uh, probably during another series that I do, uh, because we'll we'll never have enough time to really go through all this. So this is just going to be very basic. But, you know, there's really two types of people and at the founding of the country we had what were called statesmen um so we'll just say statesmen or women today okay and and the vision they have a clearly defined vision for their country and their constituents Um, a statesman or woman knows exactly what they want to accomplish during their time in office Uh, this requires foresight to recognize that they will confront problems and will need solutions to realize the goals. A statesman must also be a very, very good leader to build consensus with the people around their ideas. Uh, They're usually a very prolific orator, able to incite participation and movements with intelligent arguments. A statesman actually believes their message. Get that? They keep their word to continue to form support around the idea, unpopular though they may be. Then you've got a politician's vision. Like a statesman, polit- politicians have vision. However, they may direct this vision more towards personal gain or the advancement of their political party. Politicians' motives may not be sinister, but their interest in power may lead to the use of mortally questionable devices. <laughs> let's just put it that way, such as advertisements, let's say, denouncing their opponent's message, dishonest PR campaigns and propaganda to draw people to their side, this last part being the most sinister. And that's what we see today, right? So I think a lot of you don't even realize that we did used to have what we're called statesmen that that's were actually the people that were meant to represent you in this representative uh, government that we have the, the the Republic right so I want a better world that we can all agree to live in you know agree to disagree on some things and and get through the rest and that's how it's supposed to be right anger and derangement is not how it's supposed to be let it go and if you can't, think it out and vote. This crying and moaning is a disgrace to the country and only shows how easily we are fooled. These are not rock stars. Let me say this again. These are not rock stars or messiahs or legends, uh, you know, such as Spartacus, you know, I mean, how ridiculous was that? Okay. That, that role was reserved for Mr. Kirk Douglas. So they're not above you either. Um, so, you know, and let's talk about statesmen that's what I'm talking about here you know the politicians are the ones that have taken control, but they're there uh for the government with more power than we at this moment. the you and the we the people, you are a part of the government and not the governed we the people again. You've got to be able to understand that and why it was written specifically that way. Every single word was written specifically in in a a way to make complete sense without having to have an argument about it when you're talking about the Constitution. Um, So we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, who happens to be us today, do ordain this living document and establish this constitution for the United States of America. Cheers and applause and you know, maybe a few grumblings, maybe in the corner, but for the most part a resounding cheer as this was read and more pints were poured of with this being what was called the halftime of its day or the noontime church service and the taverns literally being next door to the churches in most circumstances. It was said in order to keep an eye on the drunkenly behavior that was going on, but I have my suspicions here about that. That reminds me of the song Imagine and the concepts of unity and wanting us all to get along and stop fighting and squabbling. But before we can, we need to understand where we've been. And so I'm going to give us all some very basic knowledge on the on the forming of this great nation and some uh, definite required reading, if not for yourselves, but for your children, meaning read them so that you can teach them to your kids and also require them to be read by older children as any responsible adult should want to do. We don't teach it, let alone explain it or the triple play of the you know of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the Declaration of Independence in most schools. So before you know it, the documents will be forgotten, except by a few scholars and historians here and there, but not for whom it was made for, which is us. Don't believe me? Just look at history but for a moment and how quickly countries, great and small, came and went, and a lot of them just simply because they lost their way or lost simple, they lost a simple battle and apply that to the world of today and the place at which we work and play, the the greatness about which I feel John Lennon and what he knew that the constitution, uh, he actually knew it better than most. He didn't want a one world government and a leader overseeing and making decisions for all meaning some type of, you know, communistic or commune or socialistic government. I think a lot of people actually believe that he he didn't want this at all. Um, Some actually think this song is, is a rallying cry or, you know, for a utopia. No, no. He knew that would be the destruction of arts and culture as in total totalitarian socialistic regime or communistic doctrine which destroys the heritage and culture of countries great and small. They gobble it up. He wanted peace through philosophy, and that's what Imagine is all about. So you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will live as one. I I can't sing, obviously. To dream is an ethereal state and not an actual physical state. Hopefully in peace and unity and the courage to be ourselves and not the ward of the state or slave for that matter. This is all about unity and peace and brotherhood, which is achievable. The line about imagine no countries is only about politics and the evil of politicians. Test your truth meter here. Why do you think he was in New York? Why did he choose the United States of America to live and fought to live here so hard and spent so much money to do so? So people need to understand things from a deeper perspective here and that the perfect melting of these two concepts of being are in that song and by Lennon's own life. It's also a map for peace and harmony within our, with our own neighbors, accepting their cultures and heritage. No religion is symbolic of dogma and it's all about living in the moment and having your own spirituality that can be taken away, your thoughts and dreams. It's a huge difference than the communism that the government felt he was spreading. This was our only paranoia, and it was on our part. No one, and I mean no one, would want to actually live in the experiment that was Joseph Stalin and the tens of millions of people he murdered. He could have just as easily lived in Moscow, meaning Lenin, but then he couldn't live the extravagant yet appropriate lifestyle for a man of his stature. We as Americans have a lot of catching up to do, a lot. We must destroy this evil octopus and its tentacles wrapped around us right now and the halls of our government, the controlled schools which give rise to these career politicians you see today and not the statesmen my father taught me about and we once had at one point in our nation that we should all have representing us for any party we choose but statesmen and women in philosophy and adherence to the building blocks and cornerstone, all else is built upon. And that's the Constitution of the United States of America, the Declaration of Independence and what it meant, and then our crowning achievement, the simple act of just adding the Bill of Rights and the ability to build upon the great Constitution. Not the mistaken idea that allows us to tear down The Constitution. This is it, folks. We've been given the tools necessary to run a fair and just society, to live in peace and harmony with our neighbors and ourselves. Scholars have described the Bill of Rights as protecting three different types of human rights. Okay, rights of conscience, including the First Amendment's freedom of speech and religion. Two rights of those accused of crimes, such as the Eighth Amendment protection against excessive bails and fines, and three, rights of property, such as the Fifth Amendment's provision that no one may be deprived of property without due process of law. We're obviously somewhere, (laughs) we've lost these, even though they're still written within our Constitution. We allow these things to happen, folks, because we're not educated, we're not self-empowered. During the Constitution's ratification process from 1787 to 89, states ratifying conventions pointed out the lack of such fundamental guarantees in the Constitution and submitted lists of proposed constitutional amendments. The Federalists, who supported ratification of the Constitution, eventually did concede and promised to attach a Bill of Rights to the document. Again, attach. Not change. This is very important. The leading contributors to the creation of these amendments, which came collectively to be called the Bill of Rights, were George Mason, Thomas Jefferson, and James Madison, with Madison serving as their principal author and sponsor on the floor of the U.S. House during the first Congress. So thank Mr. Madison every time you have an opinion you want heard or a legal problem and need to have access to a speedy fair trial by your peers and the right to an attorney, all all of these different things. So this later right was defined as your Miranda rights because it wasn't spelled out specifically. It helped define the right you already had, but didn't know at the time. Do you understand the difference? It was added. So the explanation was there. So the citizens understood and the police, because they're people as well, could un- would understand what was already in the constitution. Uh, it wasn't something that was added later. You have these rights and guarantees because the men and women behind them understood history and that it repeats itself. They had already lived under a dictatorship or monarchy and lost freedoms such as religious freedoms to worship as you please. And most of our founding fathers obviously were were Christians or deists which is very similar. In the old days, they had uh, physical control over you and now it's all mental control. We are free range chickens is what I like to call it and, and feel we are free when we have been slowly enslaved and not due to the fault of the constitution, but due to what the founding fathers warned us about and expected us to stay on top of, which we didn't. I would give us a grade of F in this regard, it's why it was built with every safeguard possible And knowing the evil of man and woman and how we would one day try and tear it all down and to tear down the Bill of Rights. It's in our nature to take things that are close to perfection as possible and to slowly erode it down to nothing. But what a select few would gain from at the expense of the rest of us, it's called power. And it's The Constitution's greatest threat, people who will lie and sell you anything just to get and maintain power over you. The only thing preventing this until now was the education of the people to know your basic rights and how incredible a document the Constitution is and perfect in every way. Look not at the document, but at those who would want to change it by trying to convince you that there is something wrong with it. Anything wrong is human and not the document itself. It's like the Second Amendment, and that people kill people, not guns. It's our right to protect ourselves and also to protect against a tyrannical government. Anyone, and I mean anyone calling for the repeal of the Second Amendment to be taken away, only want to set you and I all up for dominance. That's it. Zero. End of story. If not, again, educate yourself, and I'll get even more into that of how to do that. It's the last line of, defen- of defense. And they know this. They know this. Criminals will always get weapons, and I will not give up my right to bear arms or the right for a state to have a militia, which is another incredible right. Most have no idea of how it even works. It's not an ancient or outdated uh, issue at all. It's only thought of or argued as such, because of the beauty of it being there. We haven't had to use it because it exists in the first place. Did you hear that? It's there. It's kind of like, you know, nuclear arms and, you know, the mutual destruction. So, you know, that's why you have the, the, the militias in place. The deliberations of the Constitutional Convention of 1787 were held in strict secrecy. Consequently, anxious citizens gathered outside Independence Hall when the proceedings ended in order to learn what had been uh, produced behind closed doors. The answer was provided immediately. Uh, Mrs. Powell of Philadelphia asked Benjamin Franklin, Well, doctor, what have we got, a republic or a monarchy? With no hesitation whatsoever, Franklin responded, A republic, if you can keep it. This exchange was recorded by a Constitution signer, James McHenry, in a diary entry, so we know it happened. So to be clear, they already knew we had the perfect document. But if we did not keep up on it, if we did not keep it well oiled and the machine going, and and uh, to keep these uh, you know these politicians and these power mongers you know out, out of it, you know we would have problems. So to be clear. You know, again, I I have no political affiliation whatsoever, other than this. Uh, You know, my 50 years gives me a perspective of history that much younger people do not have. And so, for me and the generations above me, we all used to unfold into each other, always having been a bit of a struggle, meaning the different generations. And then a birth out the other side with a blend of ideas and concepts that worked with the constitution always being the guiding light of reason and our differences fixed until the next generation debate comes along. But something has happened in the last 50 to 60 years, really before this, but let's, let's just stay here for now, that each successive generation has become more and more militant towards the other. Hopefully during, you know, this episode, and we'll see if I do some more down the line, we'll, we'll discuss this effect in length and why and how it's occurred and for what purposes and how we must find our way back. The witnesses to the horrors of what can happen to a country in the blink of an eye and all by telling of lies, all by the telling of lies are now almost gone completely from this earth. Does that not seem strange that all of a sudden, these same issues and scenarios that led to the Holocaust and Stalin's death camps and Mao, and the list goes on and on, uh, you know, the Khmer Rouge and all the, all the promises of better this and better that are free, uh, especially that word free, that, that's the best lie of them all. Nothing is free. Even in physics, you take something from one place and it has an effect on another. There is absolutely no way around this. No way. Nothing. There's nothing to argue about this. All right? So no matter what name you give it or how much you promise it's different this time, it's never different, ever. It's been the same evil power grab that it's been for centuries and millennia. And it's the warning our forefathers warned us about and pled to the generations to come to uh, you know not fall for these traps. Like Franklin said, you know, a republic if you can keep it, because he knew these people would come around, and then obviously it would be easy to manipulate, especially younger people. It's not their fault. Uh, people's brains don't even develop and fully develop until they're twenty-five years of age, so understand that if you're a teenager or you're somebody in your twenties, that's not saying anything negative. It's just, it's just a fact. Same thing had occurred to me. Okay. You know, it's no different for anybody. So, um, you know, all these generations come around and you don't want to fall into that trap, which we already have. We've, we've forsaken these, we've forsaken them out of our own ignorance. And this is where the power of being a true seeker of knowledge and wisdom And the laziness of being a sheep and living in the bliss of ignorance will start to show its consequences and some of which we may never return from ever. So to really begin, I beg of you from my heart to go and get a copy of the U.S. Constitution first and foremost after listening to this so that when you go to vote, you're voting with the knowledge of how your candidate works within the framework of the Constitution, which is already all that matters. You know evil has spread its wings over a country when terms such as Constitution, Bill of Rights, patriotism, nationalism, love of country and its people and brotherhood all become some type of dirty word. This is a play on your mind and consciousness, people, when you start to change the meaning of words, and especially powerful ones like those. Very powerful. And they're being taught right now to your children. This is exactly the doctrine that the Ministry of Propaganda used during Hitler's rise. Book burnings and erasure of words, or the redefining of words, which are the most powerful manifestations on earth, a single word, Republican and Democrat are political platforms and liberalism and conservatism are philosophies. This is a very big difference. And on and on, all terms that have been twisted to suit the needs of those who only seek power over you and not the good of the country or its people, which is and has been happening for decades right under our nose. My nose, all of our noses, except for a very few extremely astute scholars of the Constitution, Of the United States of America. Words taken on different meanings like democracy. And while we have over a long period of time actually successfully convinced almost every single American that what we are fighting for and millions died for is a a true democracy, when we are a constitutional republic, for the most incredible reasons that we are feeling the effects of today, This is how incredibly smart they were and knew that we would need this type of government in order to protect the minorities from the mob rules mentality that a true democracy brings and the downfall of some pretty decent societies in our past folks that were true democracies. They also are no longer around for a reason. They picked and chose from the best and got rid of the worst meaning our forefathers, and we came out the other side with a living document that has been the beacon of hope for the world at large, or was. We will resuscitate this great country and reinstitute its real roots, protections, and isolate and weed out those that would deceive you and your children. So by understanding the Constitution and the basic of the hows and whys, will make you light years ahead of your neighbors in terms of education and the most basic rights, voting. Does he or she, again, your candidate, fit your needs? And do they follow the rule of the land? You will have the knowledge of how the country operates and all the rights guaranteed for you and the ones that we must earn. No one reads or understands the Constitution anymore, leaving it to the representatives to do the work for you. That, my friends, is dangerous as a viper and not how it's supposed to work. How many of you understand the difference between a statesman and a politician? How many of you know the difference? Look it up. Our country is supposed to be run by statesmen and women who look out for your best interests by voting as we told them to vote. Yeah, you actually can do that and are supposed to, and not the best interests of the political action committees who own them as politicians. And I know what some of you are saying right now about this and that, you know, it's not this way anymore, that the constitution has been trampled upon so much. And it has, it was actually called, you know, just a goddamn piece of paper. I hate to use a swear word, but it was actually called just a goddamn piece of paper. Look it up. This was by a sitting U.S. president called our constitution that protects you and our states and country as a whole, just a piece of paper. Now tell me evil doesn't spread its wings over this great experiment, which could be, if not for loopholes taken advantage of by a select few. It only takes a couple to destroy an entire country. We have a plan on support for one of our greatest causes imaginable, uh, that being the Innocence Project, and it just reminds me, it makes me think of it, and uh, the work they do is pro bono attorneys to free the innocent from prison. And I can't imagine this being a worst case scenario as a human being to being locked up in the most dangerous of environments and being innocent and no help is in sight, meaning through the Innocence Project. And that's your only hope because all of those things have been taken away. And the only way that can happen is through nonprofits who take their time and money to free these people. And it takes years and decades to happen, people, decades to happen in most cases. So, you know, we're just kind of your humble guides and not your masters. And, you know, we must have support from you all to make this uh, a reality and to provide you with the truth and what's really going on with our justice system. That's the best on earth, but needs to be kept in check like anything else that holds so much power over you, the creators of this system, and its whole reason for being, just like in the times of which we speak. The bells of a nation in crisis should be deafening right now. I'll let you do the research as you should. Don't believe a single thing I'm saying. Just look it all up. Do your own due diligence. If people did this, we would all be getting along, except they want us all divided by race, religion, sex, sex, politics, you name it. As long as the false fear is there and the illusion of differences, then they own us. We openly utilize the worst of the worst in terms of ideologies after World War II after bringing in hundreds of Nazis during Operation Paperclip, actual true true operation that's declassified, you can read for it yourself, These people were put into very high positions within our society, such as Werner von Braun and his involvement with the space program as an example. So if you smell a bit of the Germany before World War II, and the propaganda is ringing those (laughs) those bells, and the mainstream news is more than a bit fishy, and that they all spin the same stories, and you see it clearly, something just isn't right but trying to make anyone else see it, it's like pulling teeth. It's just because you're awake if you see it. If not, we need to work on that. So pick up these books and materials and just self-educate yourself so that when someone you know and love says, oh, look at this awesome new piece of legislation promising me free food and healthcare and education and a free living wage. Wow, you know... Telling us this, and yet we have no idea that the cost is $90 trillion with the T to make all of that happen. 30 to 40 years ago, this would have been laughed at by everybody, except, like I said, even by the most uneducated, that would have laughed at this, uh, at the hip- hypocrisy and lies rolled into it as some kind of massive trick. Now tell me that this is not their ability to sway the weak. Again, the uneducated and the victims of a failing education and a family nucleus. Of course we need programs to help people. This is what they prey on, though, that if you open your mouth and question anything as nuts or what they are proposing, that you are anti-American or you're a mean-spirited person that wants to take away programs from people who need them. Oh, come on. This is called gaslighting somebody if done personally, or it's called reverse psychology or doublespeak and brainwashing on a massive scale when done on this kind of level. They're counting on all of that time of the slow drip that you are now all primed and ready to believe this massive lie And you will fail to see it for what it is, this Trojan horse and the turning away from what the founding fathers warned us all about, which was big government. This is all in the Federalist papers and the compromises they made. And you can buy those, the Federalist papers, the Federalist and Anti-Federalist papers, and you need to just read them. It's not long and it's easy to understand. But they compromised and came to uh, a compromise as gentlemen to provide for a perfect document of not too much government, but just enough government. And it's why we have that constitution written just how it should be, which is balanced everywhere. As mentioned, we fought to have that Bill of Rights included and we won. This is the founding of a nation and how totally and I'm saying totally differing points of view were still hammered out. And we pushed through the greatest document on earth and its additional bill of rights. And it stood on its own, protecting us all. Not addendum again. And we didn't want these, uh, and not like we you know, we didn't want these bill of rights, but we had to fight for them. That's not the case. It was only to have them put into writing. These guarantees were, for the most part, already There for everybody, fear not the words, but fear those that would twist it for their own agenda or outright change the words or call for it to be replaced. This is the warning cry, people. This is the spirit of these geniuses crying out to us from afar to not go down this path. Get rid of the corporate control, the military industrial complex, and get rid of all of those who do not protect this document which is the same as they the patriots of the founding of this country literally standing next to you our forefathers and their wives armed in a defense mode protecting you and your family each and every day those are the heroes those and all of these cowards who have thwarted and changed the constitution or sold us out to the highest bidder are cowards and have an agenda they know they can fool you with. But we have gone astray and we have allowed the trust of others to do the thinking for us. It is we who do the thinking, folks, then the statesmen that do the casting of the votes to do our will. The statesmen and women swore the highest oath of the land to defend our country against enemies foreign and domestic. Domestic as in government and not as in Domestic terrorism, because to do otherwise is treason, folks, and it's all over the place. And on both sides of the aisle, they get away with it by using terminology that the average American does not understand or won't bother to teach themselves. Then they go out and buy supporters to go march and make it look like there are people that actually back their agendas to only take away something else from you. Let's move on, okay? John Locke is considered to be the father of liberalism and to what's called the social contract, also considered the most influential of all Renaissance thinkers. His writings influence Voltaire and John Jacques Rousseau, many Scottish Enlightenment thinkers as well as the American revolutionaries. His contributions to classical republicanism and liberal theory are reflected in the United States' Declaration of Independence. His theory of mind is often cited as the origin of modern conceptions of identity and self, figuring prominently in the works of later philosophers such as David Hume, Rousseau, and Immanuel Kant. Locke was the first to define the self through a constitution of consciousness. He postulated that at birth the mind was a blank state or a tabula rasa. Contrary to Cartesian philosophy based on pre-existing concepts, he maintained that we are born without innate ideas and that knowledge is instead determined only by experience derived from sense perception. This is now known as empiricism and how most science is applied today. I agree with this, which is a little weird since I don't always agree with empiricism and its strict rules. Not that we don't need them, of course, we do. It's just Which rules and how do they apply to us is all that I mean. But he was so far ahead of his time, except for the combination, of course, of genetic factors that play a role. He could not have known about that at that time, of course. In fact, it is these genetic factors that play the biggest role and not environment. Many studies have been done with twins and it's been shown that genetics went out every time, though, of course, environment plays a very large role indeed. Locke's Some Thoughts Concerning Education is an outline on how to educate this mind. He expresses the belief that education maketh the man, or woman, or more fundamentally, that the mind is an an empty cabinet. With this statement, I think I may say that all the men we meet with, nine parts of ten are what they are, good or evil, useful or not, by their education, quote by John Locke there. He argued for the senses, proving the primary factors of the formation of self. Think about this. He's already laying the groundwork for modern psychology. A broadly acceptable definition of a sense would be a system that consists of a group of sensory cells that respond to a specific physical phenomenon, and that corresponds to a particular group of regions within the brain where the signals are received and interpreted. There is no firm agreement as to the number of senses because of differing definitions of what constitutes a sense. That last statement is so powerful, it actually opens up the world of extra sensory perception. Just a thought. Different show, of course. Okay. Locke also wrote that the little and almost insensible impressions on our tender infancies have very important and lasting consequences. He argued that the associates of ideas that one makes when young are more important than those made later because they are the foundation of the self. They are put differently what first marked the tabula rasa in his essay in which both concepts are introduced. Locke warns against, for example, letting a foolish maid convince a child that goblins and sprites are associated with the night. For darkness shall ever afterwards bring with it those frightless ideas to that child, and they will be so joined that he can no more bear the one than the other. So Locke's political theory was founded on social contract theory. Unlike Thomas Hobbes, who he was arguing with at the time, that your rights were subject to the person or institution that elects to define a morality or what's right or wrong, which is exactly the doctrine of Stalin or, or again, a monarchy or a uh, a tyrant. I doubt Hobbes ever envisioned the hell. This was unleashed upon the world and his own people, the tens of millions killed. Uh, and that's even on the low end, all for communism and the state. And no, to be fair, it was, really all for Stalin and his paranoia by being a psychopath. However, it was communism that gave rise to Stalin and allowed a man of this kind of evil, the power to decide who lived and who died, literally. That's what you're talking about here, folks. Locke believed that human nature is characterized by reason and tolerance. So like Hobbes, Locke believed that human nature allowed people to be selfish. This is apparent with the introduction of currency. In a natural state, all people were equal and independent, and everyone had a natural right to defend his life, health, liberty, or possessions. What does that sound like? Most scholars trace the phrase life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in the American Declaration of Independence to Locke's theory of rights. Pretty obvious conclusion there, I think. So, and we can maybe explore that in another episode some other time. Locke also advocated governmental separation of powers and believed that revolution is not only a right, but an obligation in some circumstances. These ideas would come to have a a very profound influence on the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States. So let's move on to suspect number two, Thomas Paine, born in Thetford in the English County of Norfolk. Paine migrated to the British American colonies in 1774 with the help of Benjamin Franklin arriving just in time to participate in the American Revolution. Virtually every rebel read or listened to a reading of his powerful pamphlet, Common Sense from 1776. Proportionally the all time best selling American title which crystallized the rebellious demand for independence from Great Britain. His The American Crisis from 1776 to 83 was a pro-revolutionary pamphlet series. Common Sense was so influential that John Adams said, without the pen of the author of Common Sense, the sword of Washington would have been raised in vain. This statement of all-time selling, uh, I don't know, a statement's incredible. The statement of, of the, the all-time best-selling uh, book would most surely be based on the ability to disseminate the the works with the printing press and demand in uh, appropriation to the actual population at the time. And I'm just talking about when they say that it's the highest selling work, and it really was based on the uh, amount of people living at the time within the colonies and the number of pamphlets that were printed. It's it's absolutely incredible. He became also deeply involved in the French Revolution, writing the rights of man. Paine was so influential and so intelligent that the British government of William Pitt the Younger, worried by the possibility that the French Revolution might spread to England and begun suppressing the works that espouse radical philosophies, Paine's work, of course, which advocated the right of the American people to overthrow their government, as we did in the American Revolution, against a tyrannical monarchy, and a leader who cared not for his subjects was duly targeted, with a writ for his arrest issued in early 1792. He fled to France, who embraced him, and he wrote The Age of Reason, amongst many other treaties. At that time, for our brief discussion, he must be suggested as one sole person, if you had to pick only one, that made the American Revolution a reality due to his pamphleteering efforts in the absolute masterpiece common sense, where he put forth the arguments for the independence from the monarchy in plain language so that the common person could understand. Do you understand how big of a deal this is? Imagine congressional bills today written in plain language and compressed down to a few hundred pages for us to read and know what our representative is signing. The power of the written word and the power of truth always wins. So on March 8, 1775, one month after Payne became the editor of the Pennsylvania Magazine, the magazine published an anonymous article titled African Slavery in America. It was the first prominent piece in the colonies proposing the emancipation of African-American slaves, and the abolition of slavery. Do you understand now how important this man was? That he was born and brought over by Franklin just in time for this revolution. This, This is beyond synchronicity. That he was able to also influence the French Revolution and have the strength and the fortitude to write this pamphlet on slavery? Yes, he did it under an anonymous name, but let's give the man a break. I would prefer him alive and continuing his greatness and shining his light on this world than dead and the candle or beacon of truth, liberty, and freedom to be snuffed out. Paine has a claim to the title, The Father of the American Revolution, which rests on his pamphlets, again, Common Sense, which crystallized sentiment for the independence in 1776. It was published in Philadelphia and signed anonymously by an Englishman. It became an immediate success, as mentioned. It spread to 100,000 copies in three months. There were only 2 million residents in the 13 colonies. During the course of the American Revolution, a total of about 500,000 copies were sold, including unauthorized editions. Paine's original title for the pamphlet was Plain Truth, but Paine's friend, pro-independence advocate, Benjamin Rush, suggested common sense instead. Everything is in a name, and that was perfection. Again, words and their power. People know how to use them for good and some for evil. The pamphlet came into circulation, and then after the revolution had started, it was passed around and often read aloud in taverns, Contributing significantly to the spreading of the idea of republicanism, bolstering enthusiasm for separation from Britain, and encouraging recruitment for the Continental Army, Paine provided a new and convincing argument for the independence by advocating a complete break with history. Common sense is oriented in the future in a way that compels the reader to make an immediate choice. It offers a solution for Americans disgusted, with, and alarmed by the threat of tyranny, imagine yourself in one of these dimly lit taverns with the smell of ale everywhere, along with the very strong odor of things we don't need to touch on here, but I believe you understand it could probably also discern in its malodorous stench, for there were no such things as restrooms in the day, nor daily hot showers, and yet everyone's noses of the time could detect not one. The hush of the crowd, the words being read by the one woman or man who could read at the time, and maybe some drunken arguments breaking out as they should, and then sort of a peace established, of which we can agree to disagree, but that the words of common sense rang true in each of their hearts, and they knew that history was in the making. Maybe not to the degree we know now, but they had to have known that these were the words of great import and would somehow change their lives forever and their posterity to have freedom and liberty from a monarch that gave them no quarter and just took more and more and more from the colonists so that some of these men and boys would be so mesmerized by these words that they signed up immediately to the continental army in late 1776 Paine published the American Crisis pamphlet series to inspire the Americans in their battles against the british army He juxtaposed the conflict between the good American devoted to civic virtue and the selfish provincial man to inspire his soldiers. General George Washington had the American crisis, the first crisis pamphlet, read aloud to them, and it begins, these are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in the crisis, shrink from their service of their country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with, with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods And it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. Imagine this today. Imagine getting the call to arms because we have a treasonous infiltrator or someone who has acted as a foreign agent and sold us down the river. Provided radioactive fissionable material, perhaps, to our adversaries, maybe. What would you do? What do you think the forefathers would have done? What do you think the people in those pubs would have done? Why is this so hard today to understand that there is evil in this world that will smile at you and tell you all of these things? How many people listen to true crime podcasts out there? Do you know that there are hundreds of serial killers walking among us at this very moment? That's an example of cognizant dissonance, not wanting to believe that this can be true, but it is fact. There are people that would rather get wealthy over the selling out of our country. I'm going to say that again. There are people that would rather get wealthy over the selling out of our country than to defend it and live up to their oaths to defend us from enemies, both foreign and domestic. I'm actually going to stop here for today. And um, there's a whole lot more here. I don't, there's another book. Um, by David McCullough, M-C-C-U-L-L-O-U-G-H. It's called 1776. You should pick it up. It's the best book I've ever read on the founding fathers and the founding of our country and everything that happened down to the smallest detail. Uh, McCullough is an absolute genius. I mean, he, he just brings you into that story and you literally feel like you're living during that time period. It, it's, it's amazing. So Um, the constitution, the federalist and anti-federalist papers, obviously the declaration of independence and bill of rights. You can pick those all up in one book. Uh, and then common sense. You should, you should have a read of that and the rights of man, which is really more for the French revolution, but it applies, uh, to what we've been talking about. So I'm going to say goodbye for today. I hope you guys were able to pull up a pew and have a listen and, Maybe learn a little something today and don't forget to look up the difference between a politician and a statesman. And I think that you're going to learn a lot from that alone, especially for the next time you go out and vote. So you know that you're getting the best person for whatever party you belong to. Doesn't matter. But that again, that they are a statesman and not a greedy politician. Have a nice day, folks. God bless this nation, and each and one of you.
0: Thanks for listening. And hopefully you've added something to your knowledge base. Subscribe now and please give us a five star rating. Spread the love and feel free to leave a kind written review for us. Your humble hosts gain knowledge after every episode. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pull Up a Pew Podcast. That's P-U-L-L-U-P-A-P-E-W Podcast. Again, Facebook and Instagram at Pull Up a Pew Podcast. P-U-L-L-U-P-A-P-E-W Podcast. And Twitter at Pull Up a Pew. Again, P-U-L-L-U-P-A-P-E-W. Twitter at Pull Up a Pew. Please also consider supporting us through Patreon, with anything you feel you can afford, at Patreon.com/slash Pull Up a Pew. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com/slash Pull Up a Pew. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com/slash P-U-L-L-U-P-A-P-E-W. We will also be doing shows and supporting The Innocence Project. There can be no greater crime or misery than having your liberty and freedom taken away knowing you're innocent. So thanks for listening. And if you're a new podcaster and want to have advantages we can offer you through our partnership with Asander Production and Worldwide Motion Pictures, then email us at info at com. That's Pull Up a Pew, P-U-L-L. U-P-A-P-E-W podcast dot com. <laughs>